Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Starship Podcast Warlock. My name is Drew. My name is Jeff. And we are into the fourth season of Blackadder right now. Blackadder goes fourth. Uh, this episode is uh, the second episode of that series. Um, so we are well underway as far as that goes. And we're we'll... in episode 4-2. Four 4-2? Two. Four two, uh, what? It was a bad Hitchhiker reference. Oh, all right, fine. Uh, <laughs> so um, we... Uh, we were talking a little bit about what to talk about um, because God forbid we just get right into the episode and let you watch uh, something that's funnier than we are. But uh, we actually did come up with something that might be interesting to talk about, which is uh, TV shows we've seen that have run to four, four seasons and kind of how those seasons have worked out in comparison, because I can think Damn of a couple worked. examples that are worth talking about. Damn it, we're never going to talk about Firefly. Okay. Um, <laughs> Not if I can help it. Yeah. Okay, um, so the fourth season of Firefly would have included... Oh, my God. Me. Just kidding. <laughs> um, well, one of the first ones that came to mind for me was Battlestar Galactica. Um, ah. Of which the fourth season was the final season, as I recall. Yes. And yes, we will talk about the finale, I think, at some point here. Uh, but just talking about the fourth season, uh, that was the one where we found out who the remaining Cylons were, I think, unless that was the end of the third season. But we definitely um, saw them Cyloning around in the fourth one. Well, the, the third, the third one, if I recall correctly, ends with the, you know, the, the, uh, major all along the watchtower. Yeah. I think, I think we find out some of them and then, then the final five, I think we've, uh, we find out later on. I think it's, it's God, it's been a while since I've seen that show. Yeah, I know it really has. Uh, it really has been a while. I wanted yeah. to take a look real quick at the uh, at the Wikipedia article. Which, if you are uh, relatively new to Starship Podcast Warlock, this is our primary reference source. Um, Hundred percent reliable in all things, and that's why we use it. Uh, <laughs> um, and so I, I'm just pulling up uh, season four really quick because it has been a while. I guess and so what? that aired. That yeah. aired over 10 years ago. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And I'm just scanning over to see. Well, this has one of the ones that Edward James almost directed, uh, which feels like the sort of thing that you do in the fourth season of a show. You start mm -hmm. to have the stars well, it, <laughs> direct You know, it's interesting. It's also a question of the fourth season out of how many. So, like, a, mm -hmm. a four at, fourth season out of four particularly if it's one that goes out on its own terms is different than one for which, you know, the fourth season, they may be just hitting their stride. Like, um, uh, I, I don't know the X-Files well enough, but, uh, to, well, I mean, I watched it certainly at the time, but I mean, it's what six or seven seasons or, or it went longer than that, I think, but like the fourth you'd say is probably when it was in its stride or, or Star Trek, the next generation, the fourth season was, was definitely, you know, um, after, uh, after Best of Both Worlds, uh, you know, the Borg at the end of the third season, the beginning of the fourth, that was really, I mean, most people say the third season when stuff had an, an uptick, but the fourth, they, they were um, they were cranking on all cylinders at that point, as opposed to if you want to look at um, Babylon 5, where really the second and third season were the best, and the fourth kind of uh, suffered a little bit from um, uh, the ending of one storyline kind of coming six episodes into the season and what, what do we do now? And, and actually more to the fact that, that uh, they kind of had to write an end to the fourth season as if it were the end of the series because they didn't know if they were going to get renewed. So some, some of it felt um, 
uh, felt uh, a bit truncated or a bit weird. And then there's something mm-hmm. like Buffy, where uh, again Buffy the second and third seasons were the best, and the and the fourth is is usually uh, one of one of I think the two seasons that uh, folks would point to and they're like, man, that was a dog. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, yeah. Angel Angel and Cordelia had just left the show and. And what came out afterwards was not nearly as compelling. And, and that came before, um, you know, Dawn came in in the fifth season and, and mm-hmm. actually was, was a, a, you know, that, that was one case where you had the perfect retcon that worked very, very well, actually, in terms of the character dynamic and what have you. But, well, but yeah, the f- I Really? <laughs> I, I actually, yeah, I had trouble with Dawn, to be honest. Huh. Uh, I think uh, the problem was that we were supposed to like, as far as everyone in the show was concerned, Dawn was, uh, had always been there, but for us, the Mm -hmm. audience, she hadn't. So it seems really strange to watch her kind of like, you know, uh, parasiting onto, uh, you know, Buffy's family, like all of a sudden, like, Everybody is, you know, in relation to her and, you know, she ends up grieving over her mom and, you know, you you just feel like, well, you didn't even know her. You didn't grow up with her. This is just some weird time travel thing. And so I don't know. It was very difficult for me to kind of get my head into accepting that. Yeah, no, I had no trouble with that. I actually um, and and although I liked the character I'm about to mention, I, I actually found it more interesting to watch Dawn than to watch Tara. Mm, disagree. And, and I mean, and I mean, Tara and, and Willow's relationship and Willow growing, I mean, was, was vitally important, but Tara herself as a character, I mean, they gave, they gave backstory for her or whatever, but I just, and that's no slight to Amber Benson. That, that was one case where I just didn't think that Joss found much, um, that, that really uh, I found compelling there. And, and I, I did with Dawn oddly enough. Mm. Um, and, yeah, he, uh, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I mean, granted, that's all pat post uh, fifth season. I apologize. On that. <laughs> yeah, let's go back to season four. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, and and fourth season also midway through uh, fourth season is when uh, Oz leaves. On top of all that. Oh, so, that's uh, right. Yeah. So we also lose Seth Green. Uh, so yeah, um, not not a fan of the fourth season. Um, it's it's not my fave, um, but it has its moments every now and then. How um, do you feel? <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. No, what were you going to say? I was just laughing. Oh, well, I was going to say, um, I was going to bring up a show that um, that I, I know that you know much more of than I did. How do you feel about the fourth season of Blake 7? Oh, my God. I, I don't know why I thought you were going to say that, but um, I love the fourth season of Blake 7, personally. Um, it, it does change a lot, the fourth season. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a lot of change up in the characters i think only two original characters are left tarrant joined in season three i think um yeah and they don't have to liberate her anymore but i don't know it's fascinating uh season season four i feel like i watched that quite a bit i think because i somehow taped that one and didn't tape the others uh so i've seen it quite a lot at this point and it's hmm. definitely got its dogs in there, but it's it's got some really fascinating stuff. Um, the there's an episode toward the end called Orbit that you probably know about, um, which is a yes the Robert Holmes episode where 
Avon mm-hmm. and Villa are stuck on a ship. Um, the ship it can't escape the gravity of the planet, and they're going to die unless they get rid of something that weighs the right amount. And uh, Orak, the computer, lets Avon know that Villa weighs that amount. Uh, so <laughs> that's it's basically oh the cold equations God. if you're familiar with that short story. I'm not, but it is uh, it is it, a very the, compelling episode. The uh, the short story is basically that there's a there's a guy that's I think he's um, it's a freighter or something like that and uh, uh, space freighter essentially mm-hmm. and um, there was a stowaway on board that she just wanted to go visit I think her cousin or something like that like a teenager or something and but the problem is there you know he finds her in their kind of in, in interstellar space or something at the time and basically they don't have with with the excess weight. Uh, the basically the, the fuel requirements or whatever is such that they're, they're they won't reach their destination if she's still on board and the only chance that the only chance there is to survive is him to space her um I think I would buy that they don't have enough oxygen I'm not sure or I'd some, buy that they are, would have to are, like if they're already maybe, in deep space right I mean yeah, there's maybe it's Maybe it's actually, yeah, I, I yeah. don't remember the specifics of the story. And yes, it's obviously contrived to bring about a no-win scenario in that sort of way. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but I, I remember that at, at a young age going like, holy crap. Um, yeah, it sounds like uh, in any form, it's a good story. It's interesting to see yeah. how it plays out. And of course, the ending uh, of season four of Blake Seven is climactic. And we'll, we we'll talk about, about finales later. Yeah. Endings. Yeah. Um, the fourth season of Python. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what's in that. Is that the Mr. Neutron season? That is Mr. Neutron. Yeah, that that's that's six episodes. Cleese had left at that point, mm-hmm. um, so I think they were finding out, and they kind of agreed, all right, they'll do six and go out in a blaze of glory. And they, it is an odd little little beast. I think you have the uh, um, you, you have bits that are almost complete stories in parts mm-hmm. of it, right? You have um, uh, see, that's where the light entertainment war comes in. That's where the the ant. Um, yes, uh, going to the department store. Uh, yeah, it's 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 an odd um, it's an odd season. Um, although there are definitely some favorites. Yeah, you mentioned Mr. Neutron. Um, <laughs> Shirley, who used to be the hairdresser. To be the hairdresser. <laughs> well, I also adore the ant episode. It's one of my favorite episodes of Python. Um, I don't know why, but I just I find it hilarious um, and and really enthrallingly weird. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's kind of an interesting thing for them to have done because like, uh, they've done so many shows where the sketches, uh, kind of, uh, non sequitur, non sequitur into each other. And here's one where mm-hmm. clearly there are sketches, but they're woven into the story, which I think is kind of a fascinating, uh, thing that they were able to do. I even like the cycling tour of North Cornwall. I was just about to bring that up, but I, but that was that fourth season. I thought that was an earlier season. I think maybe that's third. maybe you're right. I think that's third. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Uh, my lack of God, it's Trotsky. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna check now. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, good. Then I'll, I'll ramble on about something else. Um. There was another show that I was. Well, don't change up. the show. I'm looking at Python now. Okay. While you're looking at Python, I was trying to think of of some other shows because I right, had. Let's see. I had another show in mind, and I, can't I think what it was. I think you are right. Yeah, that is season three. Uh, series yeah. four is the Golden Age of Ballooning, which I don't know mm-hmm. very well. Michael Ellis, which the, I adore. Light yep. Entertainment War, which I didn't watch very much of. 
um, Hamlet, which of course is brilliant, Mr. Neutron, mm-hmm. which I which I really love, and then Party Political Broadcast, which I don't remember much yeah. of. So like half that season, I adore, and half that season, I think I just must have missed taping, uh, so I, I didn't watch mollusk, it very much. The mollusk is in that season too, right? Is it? I, I, I think that's part of it. Yeah, I don't think um, so. Okay, I think that's a. I think that's an independent sketch. So I think it's one of the other ones. Okay, well, I mean, the the light entertainment where I seem to remember being more strung together. That that's less of a story oh, yes. than some of the other ones. It's part of the war against pornography. <laughs> <laughs> Is that at the expedition expedition to Lake Pahe? Yes. Um. Anyway, yeah, Python. What was there oh, another show um, you had in mind? Uh. All right. Well, I wasn't necessarily thinking about this, but um, just casting about for random shows you know Muppet Show had five seasons so the fourth season I think is the one that had Star Wars in it um, mm. as I recall um, I mean they, they were certainly on on point at that point but there, there was something else specifically I was thinking of and I can't think of right now what the hell it is um, well let's see fourth fourth season of MST3K um, some good stuff in there uh, let's see um, fourth season of Fourth season of Doctor Who. <laughs> well, I was just about to bring up Doctor Who. So the fourth yeah. season of Who, I think, was the regeneration. Yes, if I recall correctly. So part Hartnell and part Troughton. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of brilliant. I mean, they did three years, and then the fourth year came along, and they had to figure out how to continue it. So I mean, it is an interesting time for a show. I mean, if we uh, want to bring up, uh, and then. Uh, yeah, and then uh, New Who, I mean, mm-hmm. that was uh, Tennant's last season. Uh, well, all right, it, technically the specials were his last season, let's face yeah. it. Well, but, um, people love Series 4 of the new show, um, I think because yeah. of uh, Catherine Tate, which I can understand. They uh, make a great double act, they absolutely They do, do. they do. There's some dog episodes in that season, but there are some good ones, too. Yeah. I think nothing that uh, I, I mean, really love, except for Midnight I mean, and Turn Left. Telling I'm glad you mentioned Midnight because Midnight to me is is the unsung hero of that season. I I love that. I mean, besides the you know lockdown and creepy and trapped without anything sort of thing, but I mean just the fact that this is a case where where the doctor's uh, smarts get him into trouble and he's he's screwed. He's you know somebody else saves him on this one. He's mm-hmm. completely completely screwed. And and you know. Um, I'm trying to remember, Moffat didn't actually write that, right? But it plays like a Moffat-y type concept. Mm. Yeah, I suppose so. But that is RTD. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it is brilliant. I mean, I think if you want to stereotype a little bit, the reason it's RTD is because uh, so much of it hinges on the character's behavior as opposed to just like a puzzle. Yeah. Um, that is, like who they are true. as people enter into it a lot more, I think. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, it, I suppose you could say that they probably couldn't do that until the fourth season, uh, at least for newer viewers who kind of had to get an idea of what the Doctor was like and that he would always talk his way out of a problem uh, before you it, show and, him not being able to talk his way out of a right. problem. Oh, in fact, talking is <laughs> talking is what gets him trapped in this one, effectively, mm-hmm. yep. um, which is what's so fascinating about that. Yeah, I, I, love, I, I love that episode. Turn left, I feel like is is manipulative. Um, I, I've just although it's funny, like I said that about Father's Day originally, and Father's Day I think plays more. Uh, it resonates better with me than it than it did before. But um, yeah, uh, made my peace with that one. Yeah, uh, but I mean, for me, the fourth season, um, uh, and I don't know. I guess I, I suspect that you don't care for the character nearly as much as I do. But um, 
but uh, the library two-parter I, I like just because of the fact that I am I am a fan of River Song and uh, oh no I like River okay yeah um, th- I mean I don't like I didn't like the story that was told about her but I like Alex yeah. Kingston I like the portrayal of the character I like the fact that we basically got uh, Bernie Summerfield in the show in a weird way yeah. Bernie Summerfield and a little bit of uh, Iris Wildton I guess uh, like I really wish they had not romantically entwined her with the doctor. I think that if she had been just doing her thing and that were mm-hmm. the basis of her character, as opposed to all the really, all the things that she has to do with him, I, I think it would have been far uh, more compelling for me and, and maybe less annoying for the people who don't like her, but you know, yeah, that's I mean, the way it goes. I, I, I go back and forth on that actually. I mean that, that I agree that in some cases it's the okay, you know, it, that she's, you know, swanning after and, and, worshiping him at the same time that she's obviously very much her own person on top of all that is, is, is the, is the contradiction, I suppose. And, and, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, What's, well, one of the things that's interesting about her for me, and you know, you established this in the big bang, maybe before I'm trying to remember is she'll shoot people and she'll, she'll, uh, she'll steal artifacts and she has all this stuff that she does that I think is fun to watch or at least interesting in its contrast to the doctor. And so piling on top of that, Hey, I'm also your wife. And then piling on top of that, Hey, I'm also going to kill you. It's just too much. It's like, just let her character drive the plot if you want to, um, if you want to have her. So, I mean, that's my feeling about it is there were a lot of interesting stories that didn't get told because of this kind of relentless folding in upon itself. Same problem with Clara, to be honest. But that's a whole Clara, other story. Well, Clara got completely rejiggered, interestingly, between doctors, and I think that's mm-hmm. an interesting. Uh, in, in a way, that's probably a good idea because she was so much of a puzzle box in the, uh, um, in the the Smith era that uh, that they they needed to do something very different for Capaldi, and, and the only problem is I wish that they kind of established bits and pieces of that before they uh, they kind of just rewrote the character essentially for that, um, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've gone back and forth on that. Yeah, we've uh, we've left seri- we've left fourth seasons now at this point. Well, um, I mean, okay, <laughs> you want I'll, I'll mention two other four seasons uh, okay. briefly. Um, did you watch Farscape at all? No. Okay. Uh, well, then no. I mean, because that was the that was the fourth season, and uh, talk about uh, well, we can talk about endings when we get to that too. So okay. I'll save that. And the other one was um, uh, Red Dwarf. Oh. <laughs> Okay, what about it? I don't know what the fourth season of that is. Uh, let's see. I, I pulled it up because uh, fourth season was Camille, DNA, Justice, White Hole, Dimension Jump, and Meltdown. I don't even know if I saw that. Um, I like I like DNA. That's the one I remember mainly. Um, but uh, I mean, then then again, I actually feel like that that was kind of the the golden years of uh, of Red Dwarf. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, the, early, the early seasons. I think what we're seeing here is that the fourth season tends to be either uh, where it goes south or where it really, you know, is in its sort of imperial phase, as they say. Well, if it's if it's in its last season, is it in its last season because it's dying or in its last season because it's going out with a bang? Um, well, we that's talk about that's it. the question. We, sometimes it does right. one, sometimes it does the other, sometimes both right. at the same time. I and, think, and which way does it do it for Blackadder? I mean, I guess we'll see. I, I mm-hmm. I'm guessing from what I remember that this is one of the good seasons for us. 
um, I feel like it's a it's a good capper on the series. But we'll talk about that when we get to the finale. Yes, um, absolutely. So the other one I was going to bring up, and then we can get into the episode if you like, mm-hmm. is The Good Place, mm. which also ended after four seasons. And from what I understand, this may not be a revelation to anybody, but um, it, a lot of people, I think, wanted that to go on. Uh, the cast, everybody was having such a good time making the show, but like um, the creators and, you know, specifically uh, the main creator, <laughs> uh the creator of the capital just said, um, just said, you know, look, the story is this. This is a four season story. Uh, we know what it is, um, and we could drag it out, but why do that? Let's just tell the best version of this story we can, and end it at this point. Which I think they did. Uh, the fourth season is uh, really special, but then the whole thing is special. Like there isn't a week. There's there's one episode in that whole run that I kind of don't like, and even that is only on mild dislike. So, huh? I'm kind of curious about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, the the interesting thing is that, you know, things that they could have carried on for an entire season, they would blow by in one episode. Yeah, like it's so dense in that regard. You know, I mean, I, I will say without any spoilers for people that haven't watched it, because you really should go in and spoil it if you haven't seen it. Um, the beginning of the second season, for example, mm-hmm. like they could have prolonged that for a long time, and they mercifully were like, "Well, you you know where this is going. I mean, you, you have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen or not happen. Who is going to to win or, or whatever, get the upper hand on that? And okay, can we move on to the consequences of that? And yep. and they did that without without scrimping on. You know, I mean, uh, the the bits that we do see are freaking hilarious. I just rewatched uh, via the uh, wonders of YouTube some of the highlights of that particular uh, bit, and and it's just brilliant. That it is so dense, uh, and there's bits where sometimes I would have liked to have seen a little a little more, and perhaps it's better left to the imagination. Always let the let them wanting more, and uh, I mean, I do feel like bits in the third season, like things were were flagging a little bit. I'm like, okay, where are they going with this? But the fourth partially because you have the momentum of okay well, this is ending where we're we're going to um yeah there that's a case where everything was firing on all cylinders towards its its conclusion and again mm-hmm. we'll talk about that when we get to final episodes but yeah i i i totally agree that's a that is a great season to watch except you really have to watch the first three seasons <laughs> <laughs> true uh, and, and why not because they're great uh to satisfy your curiosity the one episode i'm kind of lukewarm on is team cockroach um, which I don't believe like it, it just, it's the only one to me that sort of doesn't ring true and just okay, feels I, like, I can't think which episode that would be. That is, so. well, maybe it's just because it's such a pivotal one, but it's, it's the four of no, four of them, five of them, uh, the, the four humans and Michael, and again, trying not to spoil too much, but they're in there talking with each other and, uh, fi- let's say j- figuring out how to work together from there on. Um, and it, mm. it just, for some reason it feels that, that just the characterization doesn't feel right. Like Eleanor's too nice and too cruel at the same time. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's just, it's just totally, it just doesn't quite hang together for me, but like one okay episode out of like how many amazing episodes I, I think yeah. I can live with it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I grant you a pardon as if you need one from me. So, yeah, season four is there. Interesting. Um, and it's probably time for us to continue with this one. 
Uh, so what we're going to do, as always, we'll take a quick interlude. You'll hear some music. We'll come back and we'll start watching this episode together. And we are ready to watch Blackadder. Uh, so hopefully you have your video all queued up. We certainly do. We're at zero, ready to watch. Um, and as always, I'll say three, two, one, play. And we'll begin the episode. So here we go. Three, two, one, play. I miss the snake. I was thinking about the fact that, you know, the third season is, um, well, I don't know that this, this episode uh, this opening feels different than the other seasons, but I was like, I mean, I was going to say this is a much more active opening, but no, the first season he's riding a horse, right? So yeah, maybe not really. <laughs> it's kind of like the Brigadier and Mikey Eights. Hmm. Now there's a fun crossover. Right? I mean, we do know that the Briggs, um, the Briggs World War I um, ancestor, mm -hmm. we've met him. Mark Gatiss. <laughs> I have a story about this later on. <laughs> <laughs> there we go there's our gilbert and sullivan reference <laughs> there you got it Black utter, <laughs> black <laughs> could carry it by the husk. <laughs> 
<laughs> Look, sir, extras. Yeah, we don't get too many of those, do we? It's an IP over Avian Carrier. It's Bazooka Joe. Oh, God. Oh, that's the <laughs> game. Eat the pigeon before I get in. Take it in. <laughs> Just remember Tim McInerney in any other season you would be speaking those lines. I know. If you had a case of speckle, Jim, contact your nearest physician. <laughs> the wound! The war wound! Take the tablets, tiger. <laughs> He's in jail again.
<laughs> ah, we're in an alternate universe. Got it. Apparently so. Oh, no. <laughs> we couldn't spring for another guest star. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure why, but I want to hear Aid Edmondson read that line. <laughs> it's a nice day. No, no, how does your anything goes go? <laughs> We're back to light entertainment more. Ha, ha, ha. 
Oh no. Yeah, that can't backfire. Mm hmm. <laughs> oh, like I said, I love the fact you know exactly where this is going to go. Yep. <laughs> that laugh. I'll just kiss him already. <laughs> Exterminate.
Or a passenger pigeon. You know it's coming. There we go. Wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your crowbar. Now imagine the ninth doctor, Edmund Blackadder. And now imagine Baldrick as the doctor's companion. What on the left looks familiar? <laughs> we know him. Oh, yep. Of course. As soon as he spoke. Ha, ha, ha. 
All right. Now imagine Alexei Sale delivering those lines. Oh my god. Did they lock that door? <laughs> Wouldn't have been the first time for a black adder. Apparently not. <laughs> Who do you think got the neuron today? <laughs> oh, Baldrick did. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I like the warden. God, I know the one on the right looks familiar. Uh, he's uh, whistling on a Tuesday, Jester. Ah, there we go. That's right.
God. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're four episodes early. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Ooh, that was good. Yeah. I was a little worried that the um that they were going to draw out the uh trial for too long. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, this is a little one note. But fortunately that fortunately there was so much more to that episode. Yeah, I have a comment to make about that, but I will save it for our comment section. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I should... No, no, that. not at all. Look at me yammering on. Oh, <laughs> I'm a gabbler, you see. You do go on. <laughs> we'll be right back. And we have just finished watching Corporal Punishment the second episode of the fourth series of Blackadder, a.k.a. Blackadder Goes Forth. Jeff, what would you think? Huh? What? I, <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. Uh, in the beginning, I thought that, you know, I mean, I, I, remembered, I remembered this episode. Not extremely well, but I remember the basic plot of it. Um, although not how we got out of it, necessarily. But mm -hmm. um, 
I, I was worried that they were going to uh, have the trial take up the majority of the episode. I'm like, okay, it's funny, but we got it. And, and you know, we've made jokes as the Python Lined Entertainment War and, and, um, and enough Python episodes that have uh, skillfully dealt with court. And I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, that's going to feel like, that, that's going to feel fairly derivative and not nearly as interesting. But fortunately, that didn't take up too long in the end. And so there was so much more to play with. I, I, I love... Um, I love the convivial firing squad. Um, <laughs> yes, I uh, you know it's just it's brilliant. I'm trying to think because I know there's analogs of that in other uh, other situations. Although for some reason the only thing I can think of is the TV detector van man from uh, um, from the young ones. But that's not really what I want for that. I, I just no. I love the I love the contrast and like mm-hmm. I said and and having Stephen Frost and like the other. The other guy that I knew, I recommend, uh, I recognize, and stuff like that. It's also seeing, you know, the the usual squad of of supporting players, I guess, doing mm-hmm. this, and and um, and it's so utterly brilliant. Um, he is he is perfectly pitched. Like, I mean, yes. that is such a great little <laughs> comic performance. I love it so oh, much. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's actually the secondary uh, characters that make this episode. I mean, as much of uh, other things. I mean, okay, we get uh, probably Melchit's best. So far, and the fact that we see him as unhinged as Fry was as uh, Duke of Wellington. Oh um, yes, per- perhaps perhaps an ancestor of General Melchett, I suspect in some ways. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, no, I I, uh, I I like this episode quite a bit more than I remembered, and maybe it's the scotch that I've had tonight. But um, <laughs> uh, I, I, clearly, I was celebrating too in, in terms of uh, Black forgot to send the telegram, didn't you? Yeah, I, I did, clearly. Um, you know, and it's the fact that, you know, as soon as you introduce a complication or introduce a specific idea, like to some extent, you know where it's, you know that it's going to go wrong. You know, basically, if you're going to plot out the peaks and amplitudes of it, but it's still brilliant. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's brilliant even because of that. And even, even like the lines themselves, like I don't think there are many lines that I can think of, okay, I'm going to go and quote these which is usually something I would talk about if we were talking about, you know, um, uh, specifically a bunch of Blackout or Two episodes mm-hmm. or whatever. But but just it, this is something I think we thought about when we were talking about the fourth season of The Good Place, that, you know, when you have a blip where the characters are clicking so much and it's it's not even so much the, the characters, it's their relationships and the situations and the setup. And that itself is, is pleasing enough that, um, I mean, it's not, I mean, there was stuff to laugh at here obviously but just it it's a case where it just it's not the quotable bit it's the whole that works mm-hmm. the whole is more than the sum of its parts in this episode. like uh the point that you made about how like the jokes and the the twists and turns are, are kind of predictable i mean you really see them coming but they're no less funny to me because of that um like you know exactly what's going to happen when uh Blackadder tells Baldrick to deny everything, and it's still so funny because the way um, he delivers it, you know, is mm-hmm. so is so terrific. Well, um, and the look on George's face when he realizes that, oh shit, what the hell do I do? <laughs> what do I do now? <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love um, I, I I love the the charm of so many of these characters. I mentioned that I like the warden uh, a lot, mm-hmm. uh, or jailer i don't know what he is yeah uh but he's just so good natured and like there's something about that that is uh Mm -hmm. so 
much fun to watch, which I think you probably have to have with something like this. As we've talked, this is oh, yeah. this is definitely one of the darker seasons. Uh, that well, we you have. know, and, and I mean, in other cases, you know, Baldrick shows up with in jail with um, with the stuff to help uh, help Edmund escape, and you know, it's not going to be things that are useful. <laughs> yep. And part of it is the waiting to see exactly how completely screwed up it is and what explanation. There yes. is again. You you know exactly that's going to fail, and I sit here going, "Wait, what could it be? What could it be?" I I wouldn't have come up with the wooden duck, but um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, the thing that I thought had happened was he had brought an actual lunch instead of the escape tools. Ah, uh, yes. left the escape tools, but it was even better. Um, yeah. I, I love how uh, his delivery has come from uh series one because i mean we've noted the fact that he actually was fairly intelligent in that season Mm -hmm. but even so just thinking back to kind of like the under the way he underplayed that and then the way baldrick now has this you know i am saying something now delivery (laughs) of, of pretty much everything and it shouldn't work but it does like crazy and it's so great i mean it's also fascinating to me that that you know baldrick and George at this point are, are I wouldn't say fa- fairly interchangeable. I mean, we've talked about the fact that in earlier seasons, like uh, uh, like in season two, you had Percy and Baldrick that, okay, except for one of them was lower class and the other one was upper class, but otherwise they were both complete, uh, complete idiots. Uh, and that's certainly the case as well here. In this case, it's interesting that Blackadder is the commanding officer for both mm-hmm. of them. And so in that case, you figure, well, that's almost two characters too many. But the fact that you have them playing off each other Mm-hmm. Um, and you know it's it's stupid trying to lead stupid. Um, uh, <laughs> <And it's> so <laughs> clear in this episode where they're yelling at you. You think, think. <laughs> so, you know it's it's just so I, I picture two. You know I I have um uh, uh well if you remember our um uh, my friend Tom that you know he had two cats that um one way to amuse themselves was that they used to tie strings on the on around the cat's waist into their back so there'd be like you know this little harness and like a string hanging off it and each of the cat would chase would chase after the other one's string <laughs> oh my god and like and like that's kind of like how i feel like these two idiots just going back and forth that's brilliant uh a little evil but brilliant um yes yeah, it's great, and I I know that you um, are not the biggest fan of McInerney's Darling, <laughs> but I I love him. Like I think he's, it is so much fun to watch him be as evil as he is, and like his his delivery is just to me just well, perfect every time. I mean he he is he is the straight man in the show, and you mm-hmm. think about the fact that you know where have the bid straight men in the other series there was no straight men in series 3 it was usually the guest star right samuel johnson mm-hmm. is the uh, is a straight man um you know for season 2 maybe melchit is in a couple of cases but not really i mean you have maybe the bishop at bath and wells or lady whiteadder or something like that but here you have a regular that is the straight man and the foil and that's not something that you've really had prior to this mm-hmm. uh, so so and in some ways you know the role of a straight man is is in some ways a thankless role i mean typically in, in comedy in some ways that that that's the person that really sets up the joke right and and mm-hmm. uh and and sets up the spike for the other person to do so the other person gets all the credit but it's really the straight man that's that's done all that i mean it's not quite that uh, for this particular thing, I think you know we could talk about what how that works in improv as opposed to for 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 sketch. But um, but he fulfills a very specific role. I, I think part of part of my antipathy I, I realized on this is 
that you know that they have the audience crack up whenever they say darling because it sounds like oh look it's <laughs> yes. a term of endearment for somebody who's otherwise fairly uh, fair, fairly um, uh, or loathsome or, or, or irksome or whatever and, and I feel like that joke that that joke wears thin for me after they, a while. they do lean on it a bit it's true yeah. um, uh, but but it's interesting seeing his playoff versus Melchit. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, because he's subservient under Melchin and follows him along like, you know, Smithers to Mr. Burns. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting over the season to see how that dynamic plays out, actually, especially once we get to the last episode. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the other thing I just thought about is, in addition to kind of being the straight man there, he also is an antagonist that is reusable. Like, yes. otherwise, your antagonist is the Germans, and it's a little hard to make that a comedy. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, so you have to have an antagonist on this side of the line uh, as a foil for Blackadder, well, so plots well, can happen. I mean, Melchit is kind of an antagonist in his in his own way. I mean, mm-hmm. certainly, uh, but but it's not it's not quite the same as as um, and not quite as direct. Um, right. You know, Melchit is more of the dealing with the with him trying to get around the authority figure or whatever, as opposed in this case, it's it's hitting somebody who is essentially you know pretty much the same rank as he is for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, Melchit uh, is also there to keep him in check because uh, yes, if Darling could give orders, again it would be over because he'd just be like, right. get over the top and you're done. Uh, yeah, but right. Melchit yeah, is there to have... give him like this insane respite every now and then. Uh, yeah, I mean, why haven't they gone over the top here, right? Yeah, they found ways to get around it for two episodes, but we've got five, uh, four more to go. So uh, mm-hmm. that that is, you know, how long can you keep that premise up, I suppose? Well, four episodes, clearly. <laughs> um, I, I did want to mention something that, uh, that popped in my mind from the very beginning of the episode where uh, they were having a little trouble with the telephone, even though that was deliberate, obviously. Um, it just reminded me of I, I, I love my mom tells a story of when she was just getting started out she um, an accountant by trade in New York and um, their number was one number off from a uh, pizza place uh, this <laughs> may be kind of off topic but I love this stuff anyway so I'm going to tell it so there and so their number was one number off from a pizza place and they would get calls all the time for orders for pizza oh man and her boss was so sick of it he's like just take the orders <laughs> that place closed down within six months. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm just saying. Wow, wow, that's amazing. Um, yeah. Poor pizza place. They didn't mm. choose their phone number. Um, but you know what? That's that's life. It's cruel. Yeah. It's uh, capricious. Hey, it, at least they didn't have to go over the top in World War One. And that's like, true. Yeah, they saying. probably survived that. Um, yeah. Let's see. What else did I want to mention? Um, you mentioned the courtroom scene. I found myself thinking of the witch smeller per- persuivant and how mm-hmm. relatively concise this was. I don't know. Maybe they actually went on for the same amount of time, but it sure didn't feel like it. Um, Who choose scenery better, Frank Friendly or, uh, <laughs> or Stephen Fry? He choose it more appealingly, I think. Although, you know, mm. no shade on Finley's performance. That was simply just frightening rather than funny. Um <laughs> So let's see. I mean, uh, there was that which I appreciated, um, and we've talked a little bit about most of the other stuff. I think, uh, yeah, this is just a really fun one. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, and one wh- of the great things about it to me is that uh, even though a lot of the jokes you could kind of see coming, I couldn't remember how he got out of it either. 
So I watched him in front of the fire and I'm like, damn, how does he get out of this one? Uh, and then, and then of course you find out, which is a pretty great capper to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. you, you know, what's interesting, something that just struck me in terms of the use of music, you know, that, uh, or, or stingers or something like that, right? The third season or the f second season used a lot. And, uh, the, the first season had a different, orchestration than the second season was but the third kind of followed through but this one there there is no equivalent of or or something along those lines it feels more verite as a result of it mm -hmm. and a little more documentary as um i suppose by comparison like that would feel that sort of drama that would that okay fine that's fine for melodrama and, and shakespeare and stuff like that uh or, or even i guess regency but that that doesn't feel in place in a dire situation like world war one mm -hmm. well the interesting I, thing about that is you reminded me from what i was saying about baldrick's performance tony robinson's performance getting bigger and bigger and bigger blackheaders mm -hmm. has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller since the first season until at this point he's his sarcasm is so understated and so like mildly delivered i mean it still is utterly pointed but just the uh the utter calmness with which he delivers all that i think is is really uh really great to watch uh and it's fascinating when you think about the character he was playing in series one yeah well it's it's interesting you know how you deal with such a bleak situation where you know that it's just a matter of time um mm -hmm. You know that that's uh, that that's utterly fascinating, as opposed to you know him swaggering around in series two or him being um, being the the um, the uh, obedient but uh, but still uh, higher status character in uh, in series three. But in mm -hmm. this one, you know, he knows he knows his place and knows what's potentially coming and trying to avoid it by. Uh, by all uh, all means and yeah it's it's interesting what that does to the character and that totally sets the feel for the entire season it's it's absolutely true it is a masterful masterful performance yeah it, it really is exciting how different to like all of all the performances like i mean it's well, hard to think of christmas carol it's yeah i mean it's hard to think of uh too many shows where every season kind of everybody gets to play a different character except from what i've heard american horror story <laughs> but that's mm. a whole different thing but i mean you know it, it must it must have been pretty uh special i think to be able to change everything up that much i mean hugh laurie is always the same it seems like which is funny given his range but uh um i'm not complaining well, uh I mean, it, I mean, Hugh Laurie in this era, you know, you want to look at Jeeves and Worcester, you want to look at how he typically played against Stephen Fry and Fry and Laurie as well. Mm -hmm. um, that, yeah, he, he normally played the fop character, um, that, uh, you know, and, and, you know, modern day audiences thinking him more as the, the modern medical Sherlock Holmes in house or whatever, and he has much of an idea, or, or even his character in, in, um, in uh, uh, popping up in the young ones that, yeah, he was mainly playing fops. At this uh, at this point, it's mm -hmm. actually interesting if you want to compare versus versus Fry, who, on one hand, was doing the ultra conciliatory Charles the First, and uh, and the the um, the courtier as Melchit in season two, as opposed to uh, the general and and um, and uh, and Wellington in mm -hmm. this, which is a pretty big contrast. But there there again, like it's kind of swings one way or swings for the other. Um, you know, it's it's one extreme or the other, 
um, Blackadders is so much more subtle and uh, and uh, so many varied between the different seasons. And, you know, and, and then it's incredible. You think of, uh, again, um, you know, even though I'm not a huge fan, I'm a fan of the concept, but don't care to watch Mr. Bean, that mm-hmm. you have somebody that doesn't talk at all. And it's all uh, for for somebody who's so brilliant talking in this entire series to think you have somebody that's also good where he doesn't talk at all. And it's all facial expressions and body expression. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's amazing for and you know this is a guy that didn't didn't um, Rowan Atkinson major in like you know mechanical engineering or electrical engineering or something like that I mean like I feel like that's hope for us all practically <laughs> but, but 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 clearly it's a fact that no the man is freaking brilliant um, really yes he it is, is. Um, and when you were talking about Stephen Fry I couldn't help also thinking of the the performance he does as Jeeves which is so contained. And like, that was mm-hmm. one of the first things that I saw him in. Um, yeah. And then like all the stuff that we watched him in since then, like looking at how, <laughs> what that performance is like relative to this is, is pretty special. Have so. you seen, have you seen his Malvolio in, I think it's 2012. No, you, the Globe, so you keep bringing Globe it up so and I still have not seen it. You need to, because I mean, the brilliant thing about it is that uh, like, I feel like, you know, you know how you think about, well, Stephen Fry does this or Stephen Fry does that, but, you know, it's not him as Stephen Fry and, and the rest of the audience rotating around him. It's he's disappearing into the part. Um, and, and, you know, you can imagine him being playing it as General Melchett or something like that is, is totally odious or whatever. But, no, it's it's a fascinating um, fascinating thing showing the range that he has, uh, that he absolutely has as well. And, and, like, you know, I could contrast that with the, Rick Mayall, who is the, you know, the wonderful agent of, of chaos, but it's, it's, you know, it is usually Rick's id, uh, mm-hmm. that is, uh, that is splattered around the, the stage the entire, the entire time. So that's, that's a fascinating contrast by comparison. Yeah. I, by comparison, really. <laughs> I really want you to see some of the, uh, a bit of Fry and Laurie sketches if you haven't. Um, oh, I have. I oh, you have. Okay, have. cool. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I just love some of them so much. These guys um, are great to watch. I love, you know, the, um, one of my favorites is the, um, uh, Fry trying to teach you Laurie Shakespeare. If oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I, I, I've watched that one a million times. I adore that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a show for a future season. Who knows? Um, but, uh, this was a fun one. We've got a few more to go. I hope you'll stick with us, uh, folks. If you are interested in communicating with us in any way, you do not have to send a pigeon. In fact, please do not. Um, I don't know, have anything to feed them, but you can tweet at us if you get on Twitter and you, uh, direct your tweets to at Starship Warlock. There's no podcast in the middle. Um, do pigeons and tweet? <laughs> I assume in some fashion they do. Maybe they just coo. They Not a pigeon coo, expert yeah. here. Um, so, yeah, uh, let us know. Um, I'm especially interested, actually, if folks have uh, a ranking of these episodes. I know we do that, um, and maybe that's just hopelessly nerdy. But if you're like, hey, they never pick the favorite one. Like, this is the one I love. We'd be interested in hearing that as well. Yeah, we, we would like to know, uh, what is your favorite episode and why is it Bell's? okay well that that narrows it down Mm -hmm. um we'll be back in the next episode um and until then uh this has been drew this has been jeff and you've been listening to starship podcast warlock Warlock. you you hesitated before you say well you just got to keep going
Um, I'm sorry. I'll uh, start again. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Far out, baby.